1: looking at questions. Now, all of us have questions, don't we? I mean, every day is filled with questions. Every day is filled with questions like, obviously, when you wake up in the morning, you're wondering, what's the weather going to be like today? How should I dress? And we live with questions, and we live with questions concerning our spirituality. We live with questions concerning God. And that is the type of thing that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. We've already been looking at the whole issue of questions. Last week we looked at the question of whether or not God is real. And what we did was we presented to you what the Christian viewpoint is. We presented to you what we believe is the truth. Now we're not here to convince you, we're here for you to consider what we are presenting and one of the things that came out of our discussion last week is, is that we know that God is real because He chooses to reveal Himself to us. Now what we believe is, is that He chooses to believe Himself through the Scriptures, or the Bible as it's called. Which brings us to question number two. Is the Bible true? Because if it is true, then we maybe need to pay attention to what it says concerning what God has said. We need to pay attention to the things that he reveals about himself and the things that he reveals about us and what it is that he wants us to know. So what we're going to wrestle with today, and again, let me explain something to you. It's okay to question. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to wrestle with them because what it does, it helps us develop our faith. And if we're going to look and see what God says to us through his word, you want to be able to be sure to know that it is true true, that it's real. So what we're going to do is, we're going to look at several different factors today concerning this question of whether or not the Bible is true. What we're going to do is, first of all, look at what the current view is, Is that that is, as we look at America today, what is the current view concerning the Bible? What do people today believe about the Bible? So we're going to look at that briefly. Then we're going to look and see what the Bible says about itself, what's the Bible's testimony, and then we're going to look and see what the evidence is. We're going to look and see what the evidence is. First of all, let's look at the current view. We're going to look at five things. We're going to kind of go through them real quickly. But, and I'll make a few comments here and there. Today in America, today in North America, that is among people like you and I today, first of all, the view of the Bible, the current view of the Bible, it is seen as less sacred and less accurate. The Bible is seen as less sacred. It's not a sacred text. It's just a book. And it's seen as less accurate. The common perception today is, is that the Bible's not accurate. The Bible, you know, is just a book written by men. That's the viewpoint that many have today. In fact, let me go ahead and just tell you right off the bat. The older you are, you're more likely to say it is sacred and more accurate. But the younger you get, as far as generational, listen to me, the more likely you are to say that it's less sacred and less accurate. So I want you to see that. The other thing is the current view today, and this is an American perception. This is an American thought. It is the same as other religious writings. So most Americans today would say that the Bible is the same as the Quran. The Bible is the same as the teachings of Hinduism. The Bible is the same as the teachings of Buddhism. The Bible is the same as te- same as the teachings of Zoroastrianism. The Bible is the same as all other religious writings. Now, let me just stop for a moment. That is an American viewpoint. And a majority of Americans embrace that. In fact, that's going to lead us into our discussion next week when we look at, do all faiths lead to heaven? Americans like to think that everything is the same. And so that's the current view of it. This brings us to the next thing. When we talk about the Bible, there is skepticism concerning its origins. Americans tend to be skeptical concerning where the Bible came from. And let me go back again. If you are older, if you're of the older generation here, you don't agree with that statement. But if you get, as you get younger, from one generation to the next, down to where you're younger, in your twenties, even in your teens, you would say, yeah, skeptical about it. It's reflective of the generations. And you need to see that. So there is a skepticism concerning its origins. Now, this fourth one I think is true today for most. And that is this. Young people are less likely to read it. Young people are less likely to read it. I have my own theories as to why that is true. I think the reason, one of the reasons why it is true is that the most popular version of the Bible is the King James Bible. And so you give a young person a King James Bible, they don't understand what they're reading because they don't understand the words. In fact, let me explain something to you. As a pastor, I have a computer program that helps me. I've got 27 different translations on a computer program. And when it comes to the King James, my program has a dictionary to explain to me the words in the King James. Now, if I need a dictionary to have the words explained to me with all my education, you think a young person is going to grasp it today? No. Part of the reason is we don't use that language anymore. We don't use those same words anymore. I think that's the big problem. Translation is the issue. They need to read a more up-to-date English translation of the Bible so they can understand it. But the fact is, is young people are less likely to read it. They're less likely to read it. Now, having said that, though, this is an interesting statistic. They are more interested in Bible knowledge. Remember I reversed it, I said over here, the older people would be more apt to accept that it's sacred and more accurate. The older people would say that they're not skeptical of its origins. And the younger people tend to view it that way. The Actually, now with this last one, it's reversed. The younger generations are more interested in knowing whether or not the Bible is true and the truths of the Bible than the older generations are. Isn't that interesting? Overwhelmingly, the statistics show that while they may be not so sure about its accuracy, not so sure about its origins, skepticism and stuff, it doesn't, and maybe even the fact that they can't read it, or don't read it, doesn't remove it from the fact that they're not interested in it. They are interested in it. See, this is why I think the issue with them not reading is is because of the version they're reading. You understand what I'm saying? Because of the version. So they're interested. It's the older people who stand on it who don't read it. Who aren't interested in knowing more about it. They just know they stand on it. Isn't that interesting? So that's the current view that's out there. So when you think about the current view, the bottom line issue is, is it true? The bottom line issue that we have to struggle with and wrestle with and have to come up with an answer to our question is, is the Bible true? Because the implications of that are significant. The implications of it is that if it is true, then I might need to pay attention to it. I might need to read it and see what it reveals to me about God and about what He says to me. So it's a very real question, isn't it? It's a very real question as to whether or not we can accept what it's saying to us. And whether or not we can hold it true to our lives. And so, listen, you know what, here's the thing. When you look at the statistics, and you see that more people think they're more skeptical about it, they just think it's one of another writings. When I get back to that, when you go back to that third one, excuse me, that second one, it's the same as other religious writings. You know how I know it's a North American thing? Because we have opinions without ever studying. Think about that for a moment. They're less likely to read it, but they're going to say it's just like the writings of the Quran. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If they haven't read the Bible, I can already tell you they probably haven't read the Quran. How do I know they haven't read the Quran? Because for a Muslim, the Quran is only to be written in what? Arabic. And there are a few English translations, but they are the, the Muslims actually look down on those because to them the sacred text should only be written in what? Arabic. So here's what I want you to see. When you hear statements like that, it actually shows our what? Our ignorance. Yes, that's exactly right. But here's what I'm, here actually I am encouraged by, is that while all those other statements are true, the younger people are actually interested. And so we need to answer that question, don't we? Is the Bible true? See, for years you could just assume it, and for years a pastor could just assume that everybody said, oh yeah, the Bible's true, yep, the Bible's true. But my friends, you need to understand something. We've got to answer the question. We've got to wrestle with it. So let's wrestle with it. First of all, let's notice with me what the testimony of the Bible is itself. Look with me, we're going to look at two verses in Proverbs chapter 30. This is one of many testimonies the Scripture gives to itself. And here the writer says this in verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you, and you be found a liar. The first thing, we're going to see three things that come out of the Bible's testimony concerning itself. And here's what I want you to see. Number one, it claims to be truth. The Bible, over and over and over, from Genesis to Revelation, will make a claim about itself, concerning the Scriptures, about who it is and what it is. And it will say to you over and over and over that it is truth. Here it uses the word pure. and When you think of pure, you're thinking of the absence of impurity, you're thinking of the absence of error. You're thinking of the absence of that which is wrong or what is false. And so the Bible is making a testimony here of saying to you that its words are truth. Let me just stop for a moment. Now, we're going to have a hard time with that in our culture today because our culture in its postmodernism doesn't want to believe that there's any truth. The truth to you may be truth to you, but truth to me is my truth, and you know if it comes together, wonderful, if not, we just need to tolerate each other and we live in a culture today where there is no absolute truths, but then in the midst of it stands a text that says to you that it is the Bible gives itself the testimony that it is truth, it is real, and so because it's truth, you and I need to it's it's calling us to pay attention to what it's saying. Now here's the second thing it's saying. Notice what it says there. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Here's what the Bible says. Here's the testimony of the Scripture. It reveals God to us. Let's go back to the question last week. The question last week, is God real? And really, you can boil down the whole issue of whether or not God is real by whether or not He could he choose to reveal Himself to us. And what we believe in Christianity is this, is that God does choose to reveal Himself to us. And one way that He has chosen to reveal Himself to us is through His what? His Word, through the Scriptures, through the... Through the Bible. And so, for instance, right here, in this passage, one of the revelations that it gives to you about God is this, is that He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. What is that? He is a protector. He is one who watches over those who, what? Put their trust in Him. It reveals the character and the nature and the love and the ways of God to us. That's what the Bible says to us. It reveals to us God. So when you go over to the New Testament and you read Peter and, he's, and he cites the Old Testament and says, be ye holy as I am holy, or be you holy. You be holy as I'm holy. He's revealing something about himself. What's that? That he's holy. And as he reveals something about himself that he is holy, he's, he's also revealing an expectation of what? Us. And the expectation is what? That you and I are to be what? Holy. Holy. So the Bible, not only does it reveal itself that it says it is truth, it reveals God to us. It reveals God to us. Now, the final thing it reveals to us is a warning. The final thing I want you to see there is that it reveals to us a warning. What's the warning? Look with me, verse 6. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and be found a liar. Here's what I want you to say. It warns against changing its words. It warns against changing its words. You know, throughout the Scripture, there are testimonies continually about giving, making sure that you understand the words of the book, but don't you change them. In fact, in the very end, in Revelation, it says this, in the last... Three verses, four verses, it says this in the book of Revelation in chapter 22. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecies of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God shall take away from his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What's it saying? It's saying how serious this book is. It's not something that you could just be flippant about. If it's truth, and if it reveals God to us, you and I need to, what it's saying is it's warning you, be careful how you handle it you understand what I'm saying? Be careful how you handle it. And you know what? Think about it. How we handle it, we're going to be pretty flippant about it. You hear people say things, well, in the Bible it says, God helps those who help themselves. Does it say that? It doesn't say that at all. You talk to some people though. In fact, I have talked to people. I remember talking to people and they'll say, well, give me, give me your Bible and I'll look for it. Well, there's 60 books there. Thousands of verses. Sure you're not going to find it. So I let them though. They give up after a while. But see, even that kind of flippancy really is not really what? Grasping the reality of what it is that we hold. This is what the Bible's testimony is concerning itself. Now, you might be sitting there and you're and you're rightfully saying to yourself, well, Okay, George, well that's what the Bible says about itself. That still doesn't answer the question. That still doesn't Give us validity to what the question is. The question is, is the Bible true? All you've done is just say what the Bible has said about itself. And yeah, that maybe strengthens some people here and saying, yeah, the Bible is true because the Bible says this. But I'm a thinker. And I need something to digest here. I need something to chew on as to whether or not it truly is true or not. So let's talk about it for the last moments of our time here. Let's look at the evidence. And really, the evidence falls into three different areas. Three different areas. One we've already talked about. We'll talk about it a little bit more. And the other two we'll talk about in some detail as well. So let's look at the evidence. First of all, it claims to be God's Word to man. We've already said that. We've already shared that with his Yes, but that's the evidence. When you look at the Bible, over and over and over, there are three different areas... What the Bible says itself, what Jesus says concerning the Bible, and then what the writers themselves say concerning the Scripture. So let's talk about it for a moment. So let's look. For instance, the Bible. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. All Scripture was given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So let me go back. It says the Bible itself says that all Scripture, that's all the books were given by what the inspiration of god they were given to us by god then go on to first second peter chapter 2 1 verses, verses 20 and 21 peter is saying this knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of god spoke as they were moved by the holy spirit Here's what it's saying, that when you look at the writings here, it's not just that these 40 different writers, and there are 40 different writers, these 40 different writers are just writing their own thing. He's saying, Peter, that these 40 different writers were all moved by the Holy Spirit to write what God wanted them to write, to write the Scriptures. And it's not of any private interpretation, it's not their personal view of it, although God did use their personalities and their writing abilities and skills, he's saying that it is of God. So it's the Bible's own testimony. You say, okay, that's the Bible. What does Jesus say? When you look at the things that Jesus says throughout the Gospels when he records the words of Christ, he usually refers to the Scriptures in two ways. Usually he refers to it as what? The Word of God. Or he refers to it as what? The commandment of God. So when he is referring to the Scripture, he's referring to it in two ways. That it is the Word of God, literally, or it is the commandments, what God is telling us to do. So those are Jesus' testimony. But you say, okay, that's Jesus. Well, what about the writers? Interesting thing is, some people would say, I don't know about the Bible, because yeah, maybe there's 60 books, but do they all fit together? Yes, because notice what the writers do. So for instance... Daniel refers back to Jeremiah in the 70 year prophecy. Peter refers to Paul. All of the different scriptures one way or another will refer to other books that were written giving validity to the fact that they are the word of God. That it is God's revelation because they talk about its authority. So you see Isaiah making testimony. You see different scriptures referring to the other scriptures as what? Being God's Word. Being true. The other thing I want you to see about this is this. It is a protected text. We're going to talk about the preservation of the text here. We're going to talk about how the text is protected. And really we're going to see two things here. Number one, there is unity in the midst of diversity. When you look at the Bible, and if you are a serious student of the Bible, and you read it from Genesis to Revelation, you cannot be helped but struck with the fact that there's a unity to it all. In the midst of the diversity. Now, what do you mean the midst of the diversity? I've already mentioned to you that there are 40 different authors. The Bible is written, you may not realize this, written in three different languages. Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Old Testament in particular was written in a two. When you get to the book of Daniel, you'll find that parts of it are written in Aramaic, if you study that out. Here's the interesting thing. The Bible was not just written in Israel. The Bible was written on three different continents. You say three different continents, yes. The Bible was written in Africa, Asia, and Europe. So there you see the diversity. It's written in three different languages, written on three different continents, 40 different authors. Here's the other thing that's amazing. It was written over a 1600-year period. It was written over a 1600-year period. So it wasn't all written at once. So there you see the diversity of it. And here's what I want you to see. Even in the midst of all of this, 40 different authors over 1,600 years, three different languages, if you're a serious student, you realize and you see from the beginning to the end that there's a unity to the whole thing. As one book refers to the other. And all of it is a story, ultimately, of one man who would come and later come back, and that being Jesus. See, the internal evidence shows that it has protected text because of its... All over the years. Now you say, I don't know that I necessarily believe the protection of that. Well, then I want you to think about this. It's a preserved text. For instance, take the New Testament. How many of you know how many copies of Homer's Iliad exist? You remember Iliad and the Odyssey in high school. Remember that you had to read that pretty, pretty interesting book there when you read about Uly- Ulysses and all of the things he has to go through and all that. Homer's Iliad and and the fall of Troy and everything. Here, the reality is is that there are only 14 copies of that in existence. When you take the New Testament, there are literally, you ready for this? 14,000 copies of it. And the oldest one being from AD 125. Just one generation after the writers. And even though when they put those manuscripts together, You say, well, aren't there any errors in it? We don't have the original manuscripts. What is there are slight deviations, maybe in a word or in a grammar or a point there in such way, but for the most, the whole part, it is accurate as far as the translation of that over the years because of the meticulous methods in which the monks and the writers took in copying. And so, with the New Testament, here's the other thing. The Hebrew Old Testament... They have manuscripts that go back a 1,000 years before Christ, and in those 1,000 years, those manuscripts and what they're finding, in fact, remember if you, how many of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Significant find. What they found with the Dead Sea Scrolls was, is that those old texts of the Hebrew text are almost exactly like the text that they have from the time of Jesus. And even later, a few hundred years later. And what they show is is that the meticulous nature of the Hebrew scribes in making sure that they didn't add anything to the text but copied it down literally word for word. Why? Because they took seriously the warning about what? Adding to the text. So it's a protected text, it's been preserved. When you look at this Bible, you don't have to wonder, well, is there some kind of man-made error in it? No! Because what you're reading here is what they read before, except it's your translation. It's in your language, not in the Hebrew or the Greek or Aramaic. You don't have to wonder about that. So then we see that it's protected text. Now, here's another aspect of it. And this is the one... Remember, let's go back for a moment. Think what I said to you earlier. I said to you that the chances are today, the current view is, is that it's less sacred and less accurate. And the older you are, you're more willing to accept that. But the younger you are, you're not willing to accept that. You're not willing to accept that it's sacred, or you're not willing to accept that it's accurate. Well, the third thing I want you to see as far as the evidence of it, it has proven to be accurate. It's proven to be accurate. And again, I'm going to show you three ways that it has. First of all, historically. For years, specifically in the the... 1800s, when German higher criticism was in, in effect in the age of reasoning, the intellectual society decided that they wanted to debunk that, because things were being mentioned there that were not true. So for instance, the Bible mentions a group of people called the Hittites. remember remember that? Or did you read through the Old Testament, the Hittites? Well, for years, especially in the 1800s, there was never any evidence of any people who existed called the Hittites. Just in the last hundred years, they found a major city located in Turkey. And guess who were the people there? The Hittites. In fact, here's what this Jewish archaeologist says. A guy by the name of Nelson Gluck. Jewish archaeologist says, it may be stated categorically that there is no archaeological discovery that has ever controverted a biblical reference. Controverted can also be used to mean Contradicted or disproven. So when it describes certain people, those people exist. Now you say, well, I'm not sure about this next one, George. Well, scientifically it is proven to be accurate. Let me just say this categorically the Bible is not a science textbook. And so its descriptions are often descriptions given in metaphors. And when it talks about the winds coming from the four corners of the earth, that's a metaphor. You and I know that the earth is not square or flat. But here's what it says. When the Bible does speak directly about science, it speaks correctly. And then finally, prophetically, the Bible contains hundreds of prophecies foretelling of things that are to come. And they have been, hundreds of them have been proven over and over again. See, the Bible has evidence to itself. It does point to things that are to come, and they've been proven over and over. Even in the person of Jesus.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania.